Welcome to the Michigan in Focus podcast, powered by the Center Square. I'm Bruce Walker, Great Lakes Regional Editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. Michigan in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. That's americastalking.com. We ask you to subscribe to Michigan in Focus wherever you listen to your podcast. And today we're recording on Thursday, January 5th, 2022. And oh, we're recording today's podcast on Thursday, January 5th, 2023. I had to write some checks today, and uh, I had to remember it was 2023. And joining me today is Michigan correspondent Scott McClellan and the Center Square's editor-at-large, Tom Gantert. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. How's it going? It's going pretty gosh darn well. Hey, so listen, um, I take it both of you gentlemen had a wonderful New Year's Eve and a great holiday away from work where you were able to relax and let down your hair. Well, maybe not Tom, but certainly Scott letting down his hair. And uh, for those of who don't know, well, Tom is follically challenged. So here we go. (laughs) (laughs) For those who are just listening. (laughs) Yes. That's right. So anyway, let's let's start out with a a story that Scott wrote today and uh, um, we'll get color commentary from uh, Uncle, not Uncle Fester, that's uh, uh, Tom Gantert. Uh, And that is the whole TikTok shebang. And you you fellas are younger than I am and you know Tom is the social media king and Scott has written books on internet privacy and violations thereof by tech companies so you two are far more versed in this I can barely navigate Facebook so uh okay, so when we start yeah sure first. go ahead go ahead I love TikTok uh it's brilliant it's 7 seconds and the ones that say, wait to the end, and I look, it's nine seconds. Nope, I'm gone. So it's seven <laughs> seconds. It tells you everything you want to know. It's got the, the jokes are quick. The action's quick. It's perfect, and you can get lost in it for hours. So, but now I'm not, I've never seen the Joe Rogan podcast, but he's very big on TikTok. And I've seen him where he's gone over the agreement that you agree to when you sign up to download the TikTok app and you're signing over to them everything, everything, keystrokes, things you put in, you're allowing them access to. Um, at least that's what he read. Now, I never, I don't really care. Anybody who wants access to anything I got, you're welcome to it. But the the thing is, the, the concern here is that uh, what access they have to your phone uh, if you're like me, everything's on my phone. You know, I had, I once knew a woman who had a brilliant thing and she said like your phone's like your modern or your 19th century diary. Uh, it's got everything, your financials, et cetera. So um, the idea that you would ban that, not from your personal phone, but from your work phone makes complete sense to me because one, it is a, you are, when you download, you are giving them access. You admit that when you, in the user agreement. And two, it's a time suck. You, you, if you're supposed to be working, you do not want TikTok on your phone. 
Because once you get on there, you're not getting off for a while. What say you, Scott? I I agree with states banning it because uh, especially on government owned phones, I think it's fine if you want to download that on your personal phone. But there's I just I would not have the app on my phone. Okay, well, give us a little bit of the the provenance of what TikTok actually is, who owns it and who controls the information that its users freely give away. TikTok is owned by Beijing based uh, ByteDance and uh I don't even you you give away a lot of stuff whenever you download it. Um but basically what the FBI warned about in November December is that uh, FBI director Christopher Ray said that the app quote allows them to manip- manipulate content and if they want to to use it for influence operations. Okay, well this kind of uh segues somewhat into an uh, article that you wrote that, okay, for all of the negatives that TikTok presents, as well as the positives, as uh, as Tom said, because um, you know, those of us with addictive personalities will uh, find anything to get lost in. With me, it's probably free sell. But uh, you wrote... Is that, is that an 80s video game you played when you were 40? <laughs> I, I was not 40 in the 80s, Tom. Okay. <laughs> so let's, uh, the governor of Michigan, uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, has, uh, she uses TikTok on a regular basis, as does the Attorney General, Dana Nessel, at, as far as I know. I mean, I, I, I can't tell the difference between that and uh you know, a eight millimeter film from 1959. So uh, what is the conundrum there, Scott? Well, Scott, first, is it, do we know if it's a private phone or or work phone? No, we don't know. Uh, I reached out and she did not respond for a comment. So that does matter. Um, And uh, yeah, I, I wish I knew. Okay. Yeah. And, and again, the, the, the problem being, if it were a, a work phone on the governor's part, then she would probably by be divulging a lot of you know top secret, state secrets, what what have you. Well, you know, people like us don't really truly understand what it means to to allow people that kind of access. So I'll give you a little TikTok thing I saw on TikTok, and that is uh, a hacker who was able to know the names of the uh, the um, spam people calling them, the real name. And they have video of uh, this hacker. If it's real, I assume it is. Maybe it's not. You know, who knows? Online. Could nowadays. be another deep fake. You never know. Yeah. yeah but but he, he calls this woman the, uh, when she calls him on the phone for a spam phone call. He refers to her by her real name, which he knows. And uh, it completely freaks her out because she's, of course, using a fake name. But I mean, that's the 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 issue with using your your government phone is that there's people out there that have incredibly more uh, abilities than we give them credit for to have access to a lot of things in government uh, that we might not want them to, especially if it's China, okay. who is not a good country. We all agree China is not a good country, right? Um, unless you're an NBA player, Bruce. 
unless you're an NBA player. I mean, I, I, I recall a conversation you and I had a couple of years ago, Tom, where we, uh, we kind of had a, uh, a social media scuffle over this, but I've had so many. What was this one? What was this one about? It was over the NBA and uh, what uh, was happening with uh, the NBA and it's kowtowing to the CCP. Oh, China. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I don't mind making money off of China, but I just got to recognize what they are. Right. So making money is bad. No. Okay. I don't think All right. Bad. Okay. All right. I, w- I was just trying to tie you up in uh, all sorts of. Uh, intellectual jumble here just to see if I can knock you off your square, Tom. Okay. Well, let's, let's move along. And um, I'm going to kick this over to you, Tom, because um, you are a former reporter for the Mackinac center for public policy. And I was there for four years prior to your tenure there. And uh, I was the science editor and property rights guru while you were uh, writing about such things as right to work. And I believe you were actually in the chair at the Mackinac Center when right to work was passed in Michigan in 2012. Is that correct? I started the Mackinac in 2010, right to work was passed 2012, 12 became effective in 2013. We were there for the whole thing. Um, I guess I would start out by saying in terms of, of what's going on in terms of um, right to work is that I don't know where to start with. I guess the first thing I would say is it exposed unions as not being as popular as they thought they were, you know, in terms of uh, you know, the Mackinac Center has, has, has done a study uh, and they estimate 140,000 people in Michigan have left their unions since uh, um uh, since right to work was passed. And, uh, I believe that, uh, because I know a lot of people who are very liberal from working in Ann Arbor and, um, very nice people who, uh, do not want to pay their dues to the unions because the unions hasn't, have not proved to them that, um, it was worth it. And I think that's the biggest problem unions have right now is that for so many years, uh, they were, um, you had to join them and they didn't have to prove their worth. And, uh, a lot of the people, and, and this is anecdotal because I know a lot of people, um, in unions, family members, my son is, uh, a union, uh, official for the Michigan state police. Uh, my sister ran an Obama campaign in Indiana. And, uh, you know, I know when my sister who is far left as you can get, uh, when uh, she had some trouble in Eau Claire, Michigan school district and uh, the superintendent came in and, and gave her his position to his wife. Uh, and she was worried she was going to get fired. The, she was telling me the union was avoiding her. She would see him in the hallways and they would run away because they were afraid of the superintendent. And um, I had to explain to her the process because it was in their contract of don't worry about getting fired because this is all the steps they have to go through to fire you, you know? And, uh, you know, and there's arbitration she wasn't aware of because she was just doing her job. She, but you know, she's very pro union, but they failed her. Now that's just one example, but, um, I hear that a lot. And I think that comes from years and years and years and years of not having to prove your value because people automatically had to join. 
So in that aspect, um, I think, I mean, if, if unions, and, and I guess this is the same thing, uh, if unions are really as good for workers as they say, then why do you have to force them to join? Right. And one of the things that uh, my my father, uh, God rest his soul, was a shop steward for many, many years. And uh, the conversations that I would have with him that uh, were not always pleasant, but it was okay. Uh, reconciling some of the expenditures that the unions do for political causes that do not align with my that did not align with my father's religious beliefs. And uh, so there can always be conscientious objections to what the unions will be uh, spending your, your dues on in terms of supporting political causes and political candidates. To, to me, it's a matter of choice. You should have a free choice whether you want to join a union or not. Um, and, you know, I, I was a member of the union, uh, the Lansing State Journal, and they had a decertification vote, and I voted not to decertify. But I can tell you my experience with the union was the only thing that they did that was remarkable is when I got a big raise my second year there as a sports writer, uh, they leaked my salary to all the other employees. Ooh. which made it very uncomfortable to work uh, when I got the big raise because other people knew about it. And it, it, you know, I found out and I said, well, I wasn't telling anybody. Well, the union rep told people because they were the ones that were getting uh, the updates on the salaries. And, um, you know, and I, I didn't really say anything about it. It just made the office uncomfortable. But that was the only really uh, a benefit. I don't want to say benefit. It wasn't a benefit, but it was a, only the only real thing that that I can take away. I had from joining a union for three years, you know, and um, you know. So I, and I'm not anti-union, um, but I do think that they have to start getting back to proving why they have value. Well, and that's a good point. And and again uh right to work was passed here in Michigan in 2012 went into effect in 2013 and now that uh the democrats have a trifecta in Lansing they're talking about uh eradicating right to work and uh the Mackinac Center which you know essentially began back in the early 1980s mid 1980s to uh enact right to work that was one of their the, the top planks of their their plan when they formed in the first place uh they conducted a poll uh outside poll uh ostensibly independent that uh concluded that by a margin of two to one in the state of michigan voters would just as soon see right to work stay in place well, just two things, actually a couple, several things. One, uh, because of the Janus Supreme Court ruling, we're only talking about private sector jobs now. Correct. Okay. The public sector is completely free uh, to choose whether they want to join and will be unless the Constitution's changed. Okay. So uh, I'd like to make that point. Uh, I have a, a, a bigger view on right to work um, and um, what I call the big government mentality. Um uh, and uh, I'll be real quick here. So like 
We put in a Freedom of Information Act years ago for the city administrator for the city of Ann Arbor. His name is Roger Frazier, who was a, 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 is a very effective, uh, very qualified for his job. I thought he was a good minister. But we got he, we found out he was having um, his top executives, uh, we used to call them bubbleheads because they were top of the chart. Um, and they were uh, having these meals. They were having meals delivered from a Ann Arbor restaurant. The delivery fee was 60 bucks. Holy cats. They have these, I know. Now this, is, now this is like 2007, okay? So, and I remember thinking to myself, that's government. Because if that had to come out of their own pockets, there's no way anybody's paying uh, 60 bucks to have food delivered. But since- Well, I don't know. No, I mean, there, if it's a $20 sandwich from Zingerman's, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, well, but it was it was it was ridiculous. Okay, and it was only done because he put it on the 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 city credit card. You know, where it's like you know, whereas and that's the difference between the public and the private sector. I think. Okay, so that stuck with me through the years. Here's what stuck with me with right to work. Okay, and you might remember this, Bruce. Uh, in 2012, when they passed it, it was passed in December. For some unknown reason, they allowed to not to take effect until March 31st, okay, the next year, 2013. We saw hundreds of school districts, okay, rework already signed contracts to extend them for up to 10 years so that right to work couldn't be a, take effect because the way the law was written, right to work only took effect when the contract, the current contract expired. So all these school boards went out there and worked with the unions and reworked these contracts and tried to put these 10-year contracts in when everybody else was doing two and three-year and one-year contracts. They tried to do these 10 years. And what I saw was simple collusion. It was a group of people who all felt the same way, trying to find a way around right to work, when in reality... Those school boards and unions are supposed to be opposed to each other. Remember, the school boards are supposed to look out for the taxpayers. But in this instance, they were all in, all in with the school boards. And I think that, to me, is the biggest difference between public sector and private sector. It's like, you know, they were giving them a huge plum by saying, hey, let's rework this contract because it expires in a year and let's make it 10 years so that right to work well, we won't have to worry about it for a decade, you know. And, you know, if that was the private sector, you see what happens between Major League Baseball and NBA basketball when you have a true private sector setup where every dollar comes out of whoever wins or loses pockets. You see strikes, you see lockouts, you see a lot of animosity. You don't see the NBA owners going to the players and saying, hey, Let's work around this thing that might hurt you guys so that you guys get more money because it doesn't work that way in the private sector. Yet we saw that time and time and time again, hundreds of school districts do that. Uh, School boards who were supposed to be looking out for taxpayers who were not. They were actually that that was a a line was drawn in the sand and the met so many school districts showed that they were in the pockets of the unions uh, that, you know, they were supposed to. Uh, be opposed to, well, not at least opposed, but at least to, you know, uh, put up a front that they were, had some concern for the taxpayers. Okay. Well, we've got a few minutes left, so let's 
pivot to another story. Actually, we're, we're talking about pivoting to three different stories. And uh, it seems to indicate, and I say seems because I don't know if it's all that egregious or not, that we uh, Michigan is bleeding residents. And uh, this is another thing that uh, when you and I were at the Mackinac Center, Mike Lefebvre would do stories about this every year, update them every two years or something like that. Uh, about He would contact moving van companies and they and now the moving van story companies are actually doing their own reports on outbound migration from Michigan to other states. So we're looking at Texas, Florida, South Carolina are being the the top three inbound migration states. Michigan is just behind California and New York for outbound migration, according to uh, the U-Haul report that was released that I wrote about this week. And uh, I'm somewhat skeptical of comments like that because we also have the U.S. Census report, and Scott has written on that, that in the last couple of years we've lost uh, – we're still over 10 million population here in, in the state, but we, we've lost how many residents, Scott? About 40,000 since 2020. Okay. What is it that we should be looking at? Uh, you, you are the seasoned journalism professional, Tom. What is it that we should be looking at to see how to reconcile those numbers and see if those, if, if those numbers are really something that uh, uh, should cause concern for the state okay, of Michigan. So here's my take on this. Uh, so I'm looking, and I've lived here. So in 1998, the population was 9.94 million. Uh, and in 2016, it was 9.93 million. We've had peaks and valleys. And right now it's about 9.9 million. And it's been at that level for, I don't know, 12 years. So here's what I think about these. I think people leave for all sorts of reasons. And they come for all sorts of reasons. Michigan's not a destination state by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's political. Okay, so I think this is like when a president gets selected and they don't like it. Uh, I'm leaving the country, and they use these things. So right now we're in the middle of a democratic takeover of the state of Michigan, and I've heard a lot of people saying I'm leaving Michigan. We'll see. Okay, uh, I I personally don't believe that people leave a state due to taxes. Um, I don't believe that people leave a state due to um, a political person taking office. I don't believe people leave states for two reasons, majority, jobs and getting a job somewhere. And the second one is family. Fair enough. And how about you, Scott? What, what say you? I would just say that one of my biggest concerns is that deaths outpace births by more than 12,000. So Michigan's birth rate is falling and people are leaving the state. Right. So, well, yeah. Yeah, well and, the, and the birth rates are, are dropping all over the world. So that, that should come. You know, with, I live in Jackson and, and we have more nursing homes than we do high schools. <laughs> is that where I should forward your mail, Tom? I'm just telling you. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. We're, we're getting older. So, yeah. 
Okay, so I, I guess the, the the bottom line here, the, the takeaway is, we we are looking at these numbers. They're they're not that large yet, and they may never be that large. But uh, just just approach some of these reports, which we have written at least three stories on thus far, with a, a reasonable dollop of skepticism. So I, I think a whole bunch of skepticism. You know, personally, I don't think anybody leaves the state because of, I mean, it's like you can say people are leaving, but then it's always the next shoe that drops that it's like, well, why? And then you get into the stuff I'm very skeptical of. Right. Attribution to a political climate or, you know, I I would much be more likely as I get older, if I leave Michigan, it would be for the weather. I mean, the the winters here are really getting on me, you know, and, and if I could go down south but the problem with down south is there's big insects and snakes <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i will never leave michigan simply because the fly fishing here is so so good so there you have it yeah there you go yep well scott mcclellan I'd, I'd like to thank you for being here and tom ganter thank you as well scott is the center squares michigan correspondent and tom ganter is the center squares editor at large And Michigan in Focus is powered by the Center Square, a production of America's Talking Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. That's americastalking.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Bruce Walker, Great Lakes Regional Editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. Listen for another episode of Michigan in Focus next week. 